Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, if you want to drive your dream car today, I highly recommend you go to Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. You're not working with some big dealership that's selling volume. It is an intimate car buying experience. I can tell you that firsthand. It's like a concierge service. You work with somebody and then you work with somebody else and they treat you like they're your only client. It's a wonderful experience working with Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. They also service all makes and models. They have great finance options. Go for a test drive today or find them at rmeurosport.com. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, so uh, semifinalists have been announced for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Carl Mecklenburg, unfortunately, not on the list. He's been on the list many, many times. On the list, Mike Shanahan, Dan Reeves, and Randy Gratishar. With that, let's start with this conversation. In order, who should go in first, second, third? Randy Gratishar, number one. Yep. Mike Shanahan, number two. And I uh, in uh, Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves third, but I'd also sneak in uh, Mecklenburg and Louis Wright should merit consideration too. I realize they're not semifinals. Right, they're not. So I'm just tossing those in, but the, that's the way I feel. And it, it, it's unfortunate that Dan Reeves passed away. Let passed away this year too. So that's an unfortunate aspect of this. What's your order? Um, definitely Randy on top. Now he was the best short yardage linebacker of his time, and he uh, the the two Steelers Lambert and Ham got in, and we're not as good of players as Randy. I'll be curious to know your opinion about this because the guy that I used to have this conversation with more than anybody was one of Mike Shanahan's closest friends, and we had this conversation on the air and off the air, and it would bother him to no end. Les Shapiro. Yeah. and Mike Shanahan as tight as two guys can be. I can make a strong argument that Mike does not belong in the Hall of Fame. What is that argument? Very strong, actually. What's that argument? Because his career was as short as Terrell Davis's. Are you going to hold my? Are you going to hold John Elway against him? And I'm not being no, dis- no. Why, why hold it against him? Oh, that him? he only won with John Elway. Um, no, I, I won't hold it against him that he only won with John Elway. What I will hold against him is is that he won seven playoff games over the course of two seasons and then won a single playoff game for the rest of his entire career. And that is saying something. So allow me to, uh, allow me to go through this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. In his final 14 seasons after winning a Super Bowl, he won a single playoff game. I'm sorry that's not Hall of Fame worthy. Hey, you can make that argument. Well, I'm not making, I'm not, I can make an argument. I'm just stating a fact. Okay. I, I don't think now you can argue. Now, my, yeah. argu- my argument for him is 
brilliant offensive yeah. mind. Influential I, in the game. No question. All of those things are true. But as far as a coach, he he's the one who drafted Terrell Davis. He is the one who brought in a Neil Smith. I'll give him all the credit mm-hmm. for that. But the truth is, the truth is, Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame for essentially three great seasons. So you can make an argument for Mike Shanahan. Mm-hmm. And you can make an argument for Mike Shanahan because Marv Levy never won a Super Bowl. I don't think Tony Dungy belongs in the Hall of Fame either. You're, I can, you're I, a tough audience. I'm, this is the Hall of Great, not the Hall of Really Good. And I can make an argument for Mike Shanahan, but I will tell you, it doesn't look good on somebody's resume that you win one playoff game in your final 14 years on mm-hmm. the job. That, that, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Do you allow Dan Reeves to incorporate his playing career as part of the argument to be in the Hall of Fame? He was not a great player. Well, it's kind of like, um, oh gosh, who was the, um, who was the, uh, St- the Steelers' longtime defensive coordinator who's in the Hall of Fame as a player and maybe even as a coach? Dick LeBeau. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You you probably you probably watched him in high school. I'm kidding. Dick LeBeau was a Hall of Fame football player, wasn't yeah, he? Yes, he was. And I and, I, and I, I'm, he might be a Hall of Fame coach, but I doubt it because he wasn't a head coach. But you can make the case if there was a Hall of Fame for a defensive coordinator, and now actually there is a category for assistant coaches. Right, you Joe can, Collier should be in that one. Okay, and you can make the case for an, an Alex Gibbs as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. The point about Mike is I can make a lot of arguments for him, but I'm sorry. When you look at Dan Reeves' career, and yes, he never won a Super Bowl, but he won games over the course, playoff games, over the course of many, many seasons where you can make the case Mike Shanahan, just as a head coach, when you look at his teams, this is not meant to be a knock. I'm just stating a fact here. When you went, they lost to Jacksonville, okay? But then they won two Super Bowls. After that, they won a lot of regular season games. But you know who else won a lot of regular season games, never won a title? George Carl, and he's going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so I can make an argument for Mike, but at the end of the day, the truth is he won a single playoff game in 14 years. George Carl, that's apples and oranges and basketballs and footballs, but I get your point. But yeah, George won a lot of regular season games. But I think the other issue here, though, is, I mean, let's be realistic. These are semifinalists. Right. At, at best, absolute best, yep. one of these three gets in. One. Don't you think? Well, I hope Randy gets in. And I don't know. It's, if, it's so long overdue. It's just absurd. I had this conversation with Mace before you joined the show. On a personal note, I can't say that Randy Gratishire and I are great friends because we're not. But I got to know, I've gotten to know Randy a little bit. I hope. They put him in the Hall of Fame for a lot of reasons as a player. Mm-hmm. But I hope they put him in while he still knows he's in the Hall of Fame. Yes, and I get your drift there. Right, and I knew you would. And there's just no other way to put it. Well, there's a lot of players. Uh, I told Randy's story in the book 77. And his background in from small town Ohio, Woody Hayes coming to recruit him, uh, the myths about him going into the draft, and John Ralston having the brains to call Woody Hayes and say they're saying he's got a bad knee, and Woody Hayes says I'll guarantee you he won't miss any games. He's going to play. Right. He's a great player. Right. So his story is compelling. He was the 
again, he was the best short yardage linebacker in football and kind of the centerpiece of a great defense. I mean, clearly there were other great players on that group, including the Orange Crush group, including Tom Jackson and mm-hmm. Louis Wright especially. But I would say he, he's almost a symbolic point man for that Orange Crush defense. What I find interesting is this, is that when Randy played, they did not count sacks as an official stat. No. Yet a lot of these guys who had a lot of sacks, uh, let's let's look at the the uh, the L.A. Rams defensive line. How many of those guys are in the Hall of Lamar Fame? Lamar Lundy, Deacon Jones. They didn't count sacks back then, but they're in the Hall of Fame. Yet and they could do the head slap too. Right. Yet Randy Gratisher is held against him with the number of tackles because it wasn't an official stat. Well, either. and then the number of tackles was a controversial item. In the mines, it was a very small voting block at that time. It was a good old boys club meeting on the Saturday morning before the Super Bowl. And there were there were votes traded. There were considerations traded. And in the case of Randy Gratisharp, Paul Zimmerman held it against him that he believed the Broncos padded the number of tackles statistics. Okay, I'll ask you, because you covered those teams. I did not. I did not. We know that the Colorado Avalanche padded their <laughs> sellout streak, right? Oh, really? Okay. Yes, they did. It, so with they, that, they, so, could, they could tr- try to, uh, they could try to cover that up in the sense of saying, well, those were private boxes. With, so, with that, is it completely out of bounds to suggest that maybe the official stat keeper, not our friend, Dave Platty, who does the stats now, right? Mm-hmm. Is it an unfair statement to say that maybe Randy stats, and I believe he should be in the Hall of Fame, is it an unfair statement to say maybe those stats were padded a little bit? I don't believe so because the problem at that time was there was really no uniform standard for what is a tackle. How come somebody doesn't go back and look at it today? I, yeah, I was All the games are on film. Yeah. All the games are on television. On YouTube if right. Nothing else. Why doesn't somebody actually go back? After all of these years, people have argued that Randy Gratishar never had 200 tackles in a season. And it's claimed how many seasons did he have 200 plus tackles? A lot. Yes. Right. So why doesn't somebody go back? If you're, anything, saying, you're saying put a 2022 statistics crew on the film. Yes. That's a good idea. I, uh, and, and, I, then, I, and then Am I the first one that has thought then, of this? And then have them go and look at Jack Lambert and Jack Hand. Right. How come that is? I am surprised. But that isn't the, pre, that isn't the only measure of a linebacker. It, it, how many, quote, tackles you make, especially if falling on a pile is a tackle, and I'm not... I'm not no, but no, you have somebody in today's game... In Atlanta, maybe that was a tackle, but falling see, on the pile. But the argument against Gratishar is the Broncos padded his stats. Well, you know what? There's a very easy way to find out. Yeah. And if his stats were not padded, put him in immediately. But it, and if they were, then I suppose you have an argument on why he shouldn't be in. But again, the biggest problem was was the the weight with which one person's opinion could carry sure. in that Hall of Fame elect- electoral gathering on Saturday morning. But how did Zimmerman affect all those people? I don't know. I've never had... Part of the problem is there's, supposed, you know, there's a supposed secrecy policy that what is said in this room is supposed to stay in this room. And I, I, ha- I respect that. So I have some misgivings even about mentioning Paul Zimmerman's name. When I did 77 and when I was writing the process, he uh, emailed me a rather strong 
a strong missive saying, if you say that I was the one who blocked Randy Gratishar from getting into the Hall of Fame, I'll have a problem with you. It wasn't threatening in tone. It was just simply... Now... It was like you and me arguing a little earlier. Okay, so I'll ask you something. If, if I'm going to pick it apart and play devil's advocate on okay. this, okay? I think you and I can both agree that Pro Bowls are kind of irrelevant. I Absolutely okay. irrelevant. Especially when you get down to the 17th injury replacement. Okay, okay. So with that, if I told you a guy was the defensive player of the year for one season and he was a first-team All-Pro twice, and those are that's his resume, and he was a three-time second-team All-Pro, um, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, depending on who it is, because I'd have to evaluate the, the total entirety of his career in, in that, and not necessarily saying, picking out the highlights of one All-Pro birth or whatever. Right. Okay. The totality of his career. Okay. But, but, but summarized some t in some ways by more than words and statistics. At some point, you also have to subject it to, I, I honestly believe this, the eye test and the gut check. I would agree. Because our, our mutual friend, Chad Brown, was a two-time first-team All-Pro, too. Mm -hmm. And I love Chad, but the only way he's getting into the Hall of Fame was with a ticket. <laughs> and he was a three-time Pro Bowler. Yes. So you could make the case... Yeah, he, he wasn't a second team or three times. But if you just look at those that resume alone, yes, defensive player of the year, but you can make the case just looking at those numbers from 77 really through 81. So what's that? Five years, 77, 78, yeah. 79, 80, 81. Five great seasons. Terrell Davis, only three or four. Mike Shanahan, three, right? Although you got to throw in 1983 that Gratishar was a second team All-Pro. But when you look at the guys who are currently in the Hall of Fame, they have far more first teams and second teams. If we want to completely erase Pro Bowl as a reason to put somebody in the Hall of Fame. I hope one of those three gets in. And I really doubt that it's going to happen. To I think honest. the first guy to get in will be Shanahan. And I think it'll be because of his now coaching tree, which is McVay and his son and LaFleur and the list goes on and on. And I, I know we're up against it, but the one who do, who doesn't get enough mention is Louis Wright. He was the, he was a shutdown corner before the, there were shutdown corners. Coming up after the break, NFL.com had an article titled "Predicting Each Non-Quarterback MVP for Each AFC Team." Who did they pick, and was it the right pick? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver. Excuse me. Oh, can you believe I just said that? <laughs> That's wow. what happens when you're gone for a little while. I know. And you slip back. I know. Mace forwards me everything. I can promise you I was not thinking about him on my honeymoon. That's an absolute. Like Joe, like Joe Namath said, I guarantee it. What did you do on your honeymoon? I'm not being... 
Intrusive? I just mean, did you guys do touristy stuff? Too? No, we did not. Uh, Mandy and I work a lot, and we wanted we play a lot of golf when we travel. Wherever we go, we bring our clubs. Is Mandy good? She's a good player. Mm-hmm. She's definitely a good player. She's consistently two hundred off the tee. Oh, every, every time, every, it, and it's she's automatic. She's automatic one eighty to two hundred down the, the middle, down, probably too down the middle. Oh man, straight down the middle. Um, it's funny because when I golf with her. And we're paired up with a couple of guys, and I hope I'm not saying anything that is going to insult anybody. There are lots of terrific female golfers out there, but there are a lot of guys who believe when they're paired up with a woman, she's going to slow us down. She's not very good. I'm sorry. It's a guy. Guys think that way. Mm -hmm. Is that an unfair statement? No, that's probably accurate. It's subconscious, but it's there. And Mandy hates when I do this, and we're standing (laughs) at the first tee. And I'll look at the two guys I'm standing next to if we get paired up, and I'll say, watch this. And she outdrives him. Now, granted, she has, at times, a 50 to 75 to 100-yard head start. But at the end of the day, she's the last one to hit the ball. Not with me all the time, but a lot. I like she, She's very good at chipping as well. So we played 54 holes of golf. Uh, we had more than a few drinks. We are not go out to dinner people. You ready for this? So at an all-inclusive, they have really nice restaurants, right? Uh-huh. We ordered room service pretty much every night. Wow. Yep. And we had a blast. I like watching the women pro golfers because their game is more like ours. Meaning what? Short game, nice touch. Right. They're not huge off no. the tee. But right. like an Annika Sorenstam can outdrive me all day. Yeah. And I can hit the ball. But almost every female pro golfer could outdrive me i would say Mm -hmm. now on a good day maybe not for me on a good day maybe not but yeah they're they're really good right now i won't here i i will liken this we're getting off topic here i think female basketball players have better fundamentals than the men yes i don't think there's much doubt about that as shooters as shooters except as finishers and i'll give you something else women do that you don't see in a lot of men's games they're willing to dive after the ball oh yeah i've covered a lot of girls high school basketball and they are more than willing to get raspberries all over their knees and their legs to grab a ball where guys aren't willing to do that not all guys most guys are not i would say with that, uh, I want to tell you about Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. They have everything you could imagine. They are in Lakewood. Uh, great place to watch a game. They have a pool hall with 15 tables, live music, no cover. You want to talk about a great happy hour? Well, two for one on wine, well, and drafts from three until seven. Plus, plus they have free pool on Monday, uh, Monday through Friday until four o'clock. Go check out Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. NFL.com had an article titled Predicting Each Non-Quarterback MVP for Each AFC Team. The pick was Justin Simmons. Do you agree with that? No, I have Patrick Sertan the second. As do I. As do I, I love me some Justin Simmons. Yeah, I he, really, really do. Pat, Pat Sertan, Justin Simmons, when you look at the history of the Denver Broncos, safeties, right? Mm-hmm. Dennis Smith, John Lynch, 
Steve Atwater. Billy Thompson. Right. Okay. Uh, Justin Simmons played a different game than I didn't watch Billy Thompson play. Billy Thompson was a cornerback who was converted to safety later in his career. So he played more like Justin Simmons. Yeah, he was a cornerback slash safety. Atwater, Lynch, and they're all pure safety. They they are hard hitting. Uh, you go over the middle, you're going to get you're going to be eating your teeth. With that, Justin Simmons has a chance to be a top five safety in Broncos history. I think Pat Sertan has the talent, has the talent, mm-hmm. not to be Champ Bailey. Not necessarily to be Louis Wright, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but he has a chance to be in that conversation. That's how good he is. He's not as rangy, is he? What's up? He, how rangy is he? I'm, I'm comparing him to Louis Wright. He's got speed. And He's got speed. He's a shutdown guy. He is a shutdown guy. So I, I would compare him in that realm then to Louis Wright and Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey's the best. How do I put this? Champ Bailey is the best Broncos player to ever. How do I put this? Champ Bailey is the greatest player in Broncos history to ever have CB next to his name because he played special teams, too. Oh, yeah. And he played at a very high level. (laughs) With great relish, actually. He did. And I didn't watch Louis Wright play. Champ Bailey, first ballot Hall of Famer. I can't tell you much, honestly, about Louis Wright. But he was. Louis Wright was a converted track man who was just a great athlete. Right. He was not necessarily, I think you'll understand this, he was not necessarily football a football player. player. Right. Well, neither was, was Ronaldo Nehemiah. Yeah. Neither was, what, Hill, um, who played was a wide receiver for the uh, Cowboys, Grant Hill's father. Bob Hayes. Yeah. Track guys. Was a, he, was a, he was a receiver. Yeah. Um, uh, Champ Bailey was a wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was a football player and an athletic guy. He just couldn't s- score a ninety-nine <laughs> yard touchdown. Louis Wright's problem was he had bad hands, and so whenever people try to make the definition of a great cornerback the number of interceptions, he would drop every interception. Well, then I'm sorry, he shouldn't be considered as one of the best cornerbacks. He was though. You know, he was that good. Well, but at the end of the day, well, you know what they say about cornerbacks. They're, they're guys who don't have the hands to play wide receiver. Well, what they say about safeties is they're not good enough to be cornerbacks. Well, um, Ronnie Lott was. Yeah. Okay. With that, if you had to pick somebody on offense, who would it be besides Russell Wilson? I'm going to say, based on the premise that I think he should get the bulk of the carries instead of half of them, I'm going to take Javante Williams. Okay. And I'll go with, and I'm betting on the come here, and I'll be honest, I don't feel comfortable with this bet, Jerry Judy. I don't, I don't feel comfortable that's with my bet, look, though. That's a guy looking for a good, a good buy on your bet. Yeah. I, you, now, want a, you want a good payoff. With that, Russell Wilson okay, is currently ranked ninth by more than a few bookmakers at 15-1 to 1 to win the MVP. He is behind Josh Allen, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Herbert, Burrow, Prescott, Stafford. If you see a pattern, you should. They're all quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So Russell Wilson is fifteen to one. To put that in perspective, Josh Allen is seven to one. That's all based on the pre- It's all predicated on the the, Bron- the Broncos being a highly improved team. That's got to be the first underlying foundation of Russell Wilson's MVP candidate. Well, I mean, the question is, do you vote for the guy if you take him off the team? What happens? 
And then is he the best player in the league? Mm-hmm. Right? Because there are two different definitions and nobody wants to seem to agree on what the definition should be. Um, I think Russell Wilson has a very solid chance. I think the Broncos, I know you believe they'll you believe they're gonna be eight and nine. I think they're gonna be I don't know. I think they're gonna be better than nine and eight, ten and seven. Mm-hmm. I'll go eleven and six. So then he's got if they're eleven and six, he's gonna be the MVP. Not necessarily. He better put up big numbers because of Justin Je- Herbert. Well, how about Josh Allen? Well, what if the Bills go 14-2 and two and he puts That's up true. huge numbers, right? Yes. Same with Patrick Mahomes. But, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. You know, Herbert's going to put up enormous numbers. But virtually any discussion of the Broncos' faith this season has to start with the six games within the division. Right. Right. I'm not debating that. So, so that means beating Justin Herbert. That means beating Patrick Mahomes. Well, yes and no, and I'm not trying to be difficult. You can go 0-6 in the division and go 11-0 and in the rest of your games. You're still 11-6, <laughs> and 6, right? It, 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 it's not how that, you get that's there. That's not how it's going it, to happen, it, it, It's not how you get there. It's did you get there. But I think they'll beat the Raiders at least once. I think they'll beat – I think they'll beat – I think they go – I think they split against all the teams they, in their division. You think the 3-3 three and three then? Yeah, I do. I do. Is that going to be good enough, though? Yeah. I think so, because remember, they have a last-place schedule, too. Mm-hmm. So they have some favorable teams, in theory, that they're playing. Coming up after the break, a legendary actor passed away today. He was in some legendary movies, uh, one of what many consider to be the greatest of all time, and a legendary sports movie, and to me, the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Don't argue with me on this. It's the greatest Christmas movie all of all time, and I should know I'm Jewish. This is uh, a quick point. We were talking about show notes. Yeah. I when I saw this gentleman had passed away, yeah. I was genuinely shook. That's the first. Were you really? That was the first I'd heard of it. Well, we'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, smileisports.com. You can reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to pinnacleden.com. Okay, uh, you said you were shocked by the news. I can't believe that I broke news to you, but uh, actor James Caan passed away today at the age of 82. He was in a lot of great movies, best known for The Godfather, although he had a very small cameo in The Godfather 2. He was in Misery, which he was terrific. Elf, Brian's Song. Uh, he was in a bunch of other movies that you probably have seen that I have not. Right? Right. I might watch one of those movies tonight, and you're going to probably rattle one of those off for me. Leave the gun and take the cannoli. That's my favorite line of movies of all time, other than... Uh... From The Godfather? From The Godfather. Right. 
Actually, my my favorite James Conn movie is one you didn't mention. There are, there are a couple that I didn't mention. Cinderella because... Liberty was, is my favorite James <clears throat> Conn movie with, with Marsha Mason, Eli Wallach, Burt Young, Dabney Coleman, Bruno Kirby. That was a great movie. He was also in he was also in Thief, which is supposed to be excellent. And he was also in Rollerball, which is supposed <laughs> to be excellent. That was not a good movie. Okay. I just wanted to see if you were paying attention. Of all of his movies, you, you are picking which one? Cinderella Liberty. He, he played a, well, obviously, a, a sailor on uh, Liberty. He falls for a prostitute, Marsha Mason. Well, you love writing about, well, not prostitutes. Who was uh, who, a real wrenching love story. Right. Um, Misery, he was fantastic with uh, Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. He was terrific in that. Godfather, he was unbelievably good. But to me, the best Christmas movie of all time is Elf. And you, I cannot believe you have uh, yeah, not I have seen to, it. I can't counter that argument because I haven't seen it. Uh, Danny, you've seen Elf? Many times. And are you a fan, big fan, or eh? I'm a big fan. I like Will Ferrell. I think James Caan was phenomenal in it. Wasn't he? It's, it's not even top five for me. Really? What would top five be for you? Not even top five. Uh, Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful uh, Life. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> Where are you, you, wait, how old are you again? 28. You have genuinely offended Eric. 28? So I didn't realize you like movies in black and white, unless, you know, Turner. Also, uh, Christmas Vacation. Bells of St. Mary's. Christmas Vacation. Elf is so much funnier than Christmas Vacation. I can, no, I disagree. I can see, like, Home Alone. Everybody likes Home Alone. Yeah, Home Alone's up there. That's pretty funny. Elf is unbelievable. So, as I said, uh, James Conn made a cameo in The Godfather Part Two. It was short. And it's really hard to say he was part of this ensemble cast. But when you talk about real men movies, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, James Conn, and Marlon Brando were all in that movie. A Vagoda. And, well, Fish, right? Yeah. Is there a better ensemble cast yes. than that? Yes. Okay, bring it, bring it. Dirty Dozen. Lee Marvin, Charles Bronson, Ernest Borgnine, John Cassavetes, no. Charlie Savalas, Donald Sutherland, Jim Brown. You can't get any more manly than that. Jim Brown, Clint Walker, George Kennedy, Richard Jekyll, and Trini Lopez, who was a singer just kind of moonlighting as an actor. The Dirty Dozen. And, and I think there are probably... Well, you, you, just, probably you just have like, it by numbers. There are probably like 20 movies like that coming out of World War II or, or war-type movies, whether it was World War II or any other war. But you're so there's probably by, a bunch of movies like that out there. You have there. a dozen guys to choose from. Of course, if you add them all up, how about top four? So, I'll, so you want to go... Lee uh, Marvin, Charles Bronson, Ernest Borgnine won an Oscar. Yeah. Telly uh, Savalas or, or Donald Sutherland. That's... Right there. You're, you're going to Clint Walker was an award-winning television actor. George Kennedy, Jim Brown would beat would uh, would beat all these guys in a race on a football field. Clearly. Okay, hold on. I'm going to look this up. So, greatest actors of all time. Okay, Danny, can we get some uh, some Jeopardy music here? Okay. So hey, this you is, have to give Ernest Borgnine credit for that's McHale, fine. For that's McHale's fine. Navy that's too. fine. Okay. I'm looking this up right here. This is IMDb. It tends to be the authority of it. It is. Okay, good. Yes, I'll grant that. There you go. Number one, not your guy, Jack Nicholson. Number two, Marlon Brando. Number three, Robert De Niro. Number four, Al Pacino. You could take your Ernest Borgnine and Telly Savalas 
and your and your sucker, and you could stick it. Kojak, Commander McCarroll. You had, and by the way, that's Godfather 2. Forget about James Caan. You have arguably three of the best four actors of all time in one movie. But I thought, we were talking, movie. I thought we were talking about volume here. No, well, the number of guys in the movie. Well, again, you just watered down the pancake batter with a couple of those guys. I'll give you a great movie. How that, about The Great Escape? Who was in that? Steve McQueen, James Garner, Charles Bronson, Donald yep. Pleasance, yep. James Coburn, and David McCallum. Okay, you won't agree with this. This is a little bit newer, although it came out in 2006. Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, and Mark Wahlberg were in The Departed. And that was an unbelievably good movie. Did you see that? No. And that was a Martin Scorsese film. You you haven't seen Elf and you haven't seen Departed. No, I have you're not. You're too busy writing screenplays yeah, and you're missing you are missing great movies. How about this ensemble cast? Ocean's Eleven. George Clooney, Brad but Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon. That was a gimmick movie. Thirteen's even better because you throw in Pacino. Right. Well done. Yeah, but then you're talking about kind of cameo appearances for money. These guys are Al all Pacino doing it for money. is uh, no, 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 a no, main no. character. No, 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 all these guys are main characters. You've seen the Ocean's Eleven movies. I believe so. There. I've seen all the what oceans. What movies do you watch? I've seen all the oceans and they Did all run together. Did you just run, go they, see Minions they in the all theater? run together. You went to go see Minions, didn't you? No, I got to go see the Elvis movies, what I got to go see. Here's one, the movie Heat. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, and John Voight. Mm-hmm. I bet you like John Voight. Yes, I do. I figure you like all the older guys. You, you like guys. You like all the guys who are not alive. John Voight was great in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you like all the guys who are no longer alive, pretty much. I like guys who are still living. Does that mean they're, they're no longer relevant once they pass away? No, they're, they're relevant. So but now we can't talk about James Caan? Well, you're going back to black and white. I mean, do, do we have to go back to vaudeville, too, with you? <laughs> what, what do we have coming up on, uh, on uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Nuggets have made a lot of moves so far in the offseason. They're bringing back another important member of the team and uh, a big performance in the WNBA by someone Terry has some familiarity with, a Oregon Duck uh, making history in the WNBA. We'll get into that on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry <coughs> on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. 
just in case you missed it, back in uh, 2020, the Denver Nuggets had a huge win in Utah when they had only seven players available. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, P.J. Dozier, and the final member of that seven-man team who has now re-signed for three years with the Nuggets, Vlatko Chanchar. Uh, the team option in the final year makes it more of a two-year deal, but... It is a three-year contract. So Chanchar, an important piece back then, maybe not so much now because Zeke, Naji, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, all on the roster as power forwards. And Vlatko only played in 15 games last season, averaged 11.7 minutes in those games. He dealt with a foot injury that required surgery in January. So what are your thoughts on bringing Vlatko back when he wasn't a big contributor last year and they have some depth at the power forward position already. Well, they're showing a lot of faith in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to come back from injury, so why not do it with Flatco? If they feel like he is back, his foot is healed enough for him to be a major contributor, then I think he fills that role. He hasn't done much in his career. Let's just call it like it is. He hasn't. Um, what can I tell you about his game? I haven't watched him enough. You know why he hasn't played enough? I don't want to hear about potential. Potential means you haven't done it. Small forward. Fine player, I suppose. But, I mean, it's not like you're going to be giving this guy huge minutes. At least I don't think that you will. Although, three-point shooter, he's pretty good. So maybe give him some opportunities. 58% last year. Yeah, definitely can fill that stretch four role off the bench if you need to. But you would imagine that a lot of those minutes are going to go to Zeke Naji, also a very good three-point shooter. But right? it so, is interesting as a three-year contract with a player option for the third, so that they've pretty much option. committed them to oh, a team option. So it's pretty much they've committed. It's his player option here. Oops. No. That, that. Oh, I saw I saw a team option. Maybe I maybe I wrote it wrong. Okay. Well, regardless, they've got a two-year commitment to them at least. So they have to they have to be thinking he's okay. Just in case you missed it, Minnesota Timberwolves tweeted the other day, once wolves, always wolves, with a graphic including Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, and Balmaro, uh, all players who were sent to the Jazz for Rudy Gobert. They were all in one graphic, all in one tweet. Uh, the word thank you was on that graphic as well, eight times Jared Vanderbilt quote tweeted that saying can't even get our own post and then had the crying laughing emoji in the tweet uh should players care about their former team's twitter account thanking them when they are traded to another team you feel a little hurt i mean it's the girlfriend that dumped you <laughs> and you know they, they gave up a ton to get gobert you and i have not talked about it uh terry what did you think of that move? oh danny, I danny, what did you think of that i move? I, I think danny ainge fleeced tim conley I think a lot of so-called experts would agree with you. We'll see if the Twin Towers approach can work. I mean, well, but it's, that but remains it, but, to be seen. But it's not a Twin Towers approach because Carl Anthony Towns is a stretch for it. He doesn't like to play anywhere near the basket. He wants to fire up threes. And I, I think it's a move to try and, for lack of a better phrase, uh, stop Jokic. But how good is their perimeter defense? And what do they do with Not all very those good. And, and we've seen in the playoffs... Pr- Shooting threes is where it is at. So Gobert is a terrific defensive player. Yes. I don't know how many years he has left, 
Uh, I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns is thrilled at the move because now he doesn't have to, you know, try and be a rim protector. We know that Gobert is. But but looking at this straight up, you're going to have Jokic on Gobert, right? And vice versa. And Aaron Gordon on Carl Anthony Towns. I don't have a problem with that either. Me either. I mean, yeah. I know there's a height differential between Towns and Gordon, but Gordon is a terrific defensive player. So I'm not so sure this really hurts them talking about the Nuggets mm-hmm. all that much. Well, it's, it's completely within the division, the trade. Right. But I'm saying I don't think it hurts the Nuggets as much as people would think. Yeah, I would imagine that when the news broke that Tim Connolly was going to the Timberwolves, that Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley started packing the boxes because they <laughs> knew they weren't going to be there for long in Minnesota. Well, definitely Beasley because Connolly, from what I understand, was not a fan of Beasley. That's why he traded him. Didn't think he was a good locker room guy. Didn't he think he felt fit into the family? As far as Vanderbilt goes, I don't know what his personality was like, but I know that Conley was not a fan of Beasley. Just in case you missed it, the USFL Championship game on Sunday drew 1.5 million viewers on Fox, pretty in line with other live sporting events of the day. The John Deere Classic got 1.9 million, NASCAR got 1.9 million, Wimbledon drew 1.5 million, and Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. 1.2 million. So for year two of the USFL, the league will not only be playing games in Birmingham, Alabama, but two or four markets has yet to be decided by the league in 2023. Uh, does the USFL gain any advantage over another football league starting up a little earlier next year? The XFL set to relaunch in February now that the USFL has that one year under their belt. They're both fringe gimmick leagues, and I don't think the, the fans necessarily are evaluating quality here they're just wide, turning on the tv and there's a football game there I, I don't i think anything more than that is overcomplicating the matter i'll tell you two things that stick out to me about those ratings number one the john deere classic that was more of a who's that than a who's who well that's the one you use to make fun of the golf tour you always say the john deere classic well that's actually that was i think tiger's first win back in 97 I think it was. I think that was his first pro start. Point is, with the John Deere Classic, a lot of big names don't play because they're getting ready for the Open. And that's the way it's always been. But the John Deere Classic had higher ratings than the USFL. But you know what even sticks out more? The John Deere Classic in the USFL championship game outdrew baseball. (laughs) Hey, Rob Manfred, you got some problems. Plus, because they're pulling their pitchers too soon, Eric. I don't know about that. I just think, and I, I know I know you're joking, I just don't think they do a very good job of marketing the game. Who played in that game, by the way? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Andrew might know. The USFL game? No, the uh, Sunday Night Baseball oh. game. Oh, pro- well, it had to be the Yankees and Red Sox because they're on every week. That's probably true. All right, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Always Cardinals, great. Phillies. Cardinals, well, those are two. One great baseball market, not big, but great baseball market. And what, the number four market in the country in Philadelphia? Nolan Arenado? Goldschmidt? Phillies have some players? Hmm. Anyway, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed Argonaut. Always great specials, and this is what's going on this week. All 750 milliliter Italian wines, 15% off. Also, they deliver in the entire Denver metro area, and any delivery over 100 bucks. It is free. You need to stop by Argonaut today off of Colfax to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. 
five years running. It's a great place to go. They can really help you out. If you live in the city, of course, you're going to go to Argonaut. If you work in the city, live outside the suburbs, stop by on Colfax, get what you need, drive on home, best liquor store, not just in Denver, in Colorado. Order online today at ArgonautLiquor.com or check them out on Colfax. That's going to do it for us. Nolan, Danny, great job today. Same with you, Terry. Take care. Make it the best possible night you can.